At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. This Christmas season, we invite you to look deeper into the incredible covenants God made with His people in Scripture. Tune into our current series, Gift Wrapped, From Longing to Lavish, to discover God's unwavering promises to meet the ultimate longings of our heart and ultimately renew our hope with the brilliant truth of the gospel. So this is it. This is our last Sunday before Christmas Eve, guys. This is the very last one. I know Ben already mentioned it, but we have services at 1130, at 1, at 230, and at 4. All services will be family services. We do have a ministry for preschool and under, but all the rest of us will be together for that. Uh, For those who are watching online, our 1 o'clock service, our 1 o'clock service will be our online service. All the rest of them, you know, we're, we're here, and so we're looking forward to it. Y'all, I love Christmas. Like, I love it. I love all of Christmas. I love the lights, and, and I love the trees. I love the songs. Like, today, we just kind of stripped it back a little bit, right? And we just sang the little town of Bethlehem and Hark the Herald, and, and I love it. Like, I love the Christmas song. And some of you are Bah Humbug types, and I know that about you. You're like, I don't want Bah because it's commercialized, and you're, you know, you grumpy pants about it. But not me. I love getting gifts. Like, I love it. I, I am all for getting gifts, and I like giving them too. Like, I like giving gifts. I just like it. But sometimes, sometimes when you give gifts, it doesn't go over the way you think it's going to go over, does it? Like, you have intentions for one thing. You're planning one thing, and what happens is so, so different, right? All right, so I got a story. Since you guys didn't go, right, I got a story for you. Imagine... The kindest, most gentle grandma and grandpa imaginable. Okay, you got that family in your head. You got that couple. Okay, that's the couple who worked for me at my last church, right? They, they were on the staff team, and so it was Christmas time, and we were doing the staff Christmas party. And we were doing the staff party. We were doing white elephant, because that's what you do, right? The white elephant thing. And we all have different strategies. Some of you guys, you're like, I'm going to get the ridiculous gift, I don't care if anyone ever steals it. This is funny. I don't care who you are. This is a funny gift. That's how you handle the white elephant. Some of you, you climb up in your attic, and you're like, where's some of that junk that I was going to throw out, and I don't know what to do with it? And then you look at it, and you're like, I'm really ashamed of myself. I'll put a $5 Starbucks card with it, and now it's good. It's a good present now, you know? And so that's what you do. You just pull something out of the garage sale that didn't sell. And some of you, you're so nice, and you're like, I don't. I don't care if anyone steals this. I just want the nice present that's going to make people feel good and it's usable and it looks not. That's Denny and Sharon, right? They, they had this present and they're like, this present, this present is going to melt someone's heart. It sure is. We're just going to get this wall hanging. It's this Christmas. Have a country wall hanging. That's what we're going to do. A Santa Claus. And it's just beautiful. And so they wrap up this wall hanging and they bring it and no one knew what it was. You know, they put it under the tree and we're playing the game. And as we're playing the game, I come to realize like this was the weirdest group of people ever because I pull out this thing and it looks kind of like Moses. And it's got a voice that talks like this. I'm like, what are they? This is Christmas. Why am I getting scary gifts? You know? So we're opening all these presents and, you know, and then it's like, oh, the $5 gift card. And so we're going through all this stuff. And then we open up Denny and Sharon's present. It wasn't me, though. Someone else opened it up. And they opened it up, and they opened up the box, and they froze. And they looked up, and they went, oh. And we all were like, what is it? I got a toilet bowl cover with Santa Claus's face on it. 
and everyone got real quiet, and then they go, and I think it's been used. And so all of a sudden, everyone lost it and started laughing. Danny and Sharon just put their head down, and because we were like, okay, fess up. Who brought this? Who brought this present? No one admitted it. No one said a word, because the whole time they thought, I've got this wall hanging. It was a toilet bowl cover. It was never a wall hanging, right? They thought it was a wall hanging. It was really a toilet bowl cover. They thought they were doing one thing, and it was so, so wrong. And I share that story for a reason. Because today, as we go to the Word of God, I think you're going to see that King David was kind of in that exact same boat. Take your Bibles. Let's open up to 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 17 is where we're going to be. We're in this sermon series called Gift Wrapped. And in Gift Wrapped, we're talking about the covenants of God. The promises of God with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, now with David, where God says, I'm going to take these promises that I have, I'm going to wrap them up, and I'm going to hand them to you as a gift. And you can trust that those promises are true. Because of who I am, because I'm God, I'm a God who keeps my promises, and he, he hands these promises over to these different men. Today is going to be David's, and what's so incredible about this covenant, church, is he takes from Abraham, he takes from Moses, and now with David, he says, I'm just going to repackage those promises and remind you of these promises that I made, and I'm going to make a covenant with you of the promises that are going to continue to go eternally. So here we go. We're going to jump in. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 17. The Bible says this. Now when the king, talking about King David right here, now, when the king lived in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his surrounding enemies, the king said to Nathan the prophet, See, now I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells in a tent. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that's in your heart, for the Lord is with you. But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go, tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, Would you build me a house to dwell in? I've not lived in a house since the day I brought up the people of Israel from Egypt to this day, but I've been moving about in a tent for my dwelling. In all places where I've moved with all the people of Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? And so what we see, what we see is David it's like, I've got this great idea. i got this great idea. I'm going to do this wall hanging. And the whole time, the Lord is like, mm, toilet bowl cover. Like, you think you're doing one thing, but you're not doing that thing. So David, David has pushed back his enemies. There's no enemies attacking him. And David looks around. And he's like, man, I got this cedar house. I'm living like a king. Like, it smells good around. You know, cedar smells good, right? So he's like, it smells good around here. I am the king. But you know what I should do? I should build a house for the Lord. Right, because the Ark of the Covenant is here. The Ark of the Covenant represents the glory of God to the people of God. I need a, I need a house for the Ark. That's what I really, I'm, I'm going to do something great. I'm going to build a house. Now go back. He's in a time of peace. That's a peace that was promised back in Exodus chapter 33, verses, uh, verse 14. And so he's looking at everything he's experiencing. And David says, I've got it so good. And he goes to Nathan, who's a prophet, and his friend. He's like, hey, Nathan, what do you think? Like, I mean, I got this house. We got the Ark of the Covenant over here. You think I should build him a house? And Nathan goes, David, the Lord surely is with you. Clearly, the Lord is on your side. So I'd say if that's what's in your heart, go for it, buddy. Do it. And then the story switches just like that. 
And we see this in the middle of the night that the Lord goes to Nathan and tells him to tell the servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build me a house to dwell in? Now, I emphasize you for a reason. Because in the verses that you're getting ready to see, you're going to see that it's not David who gets to build the house. It's Solomon. David doesn't get to do it. Solomon, would you? Now, this is so rhetorical in nature. God doesn't want an answer from David with this question. It's like when my dad, when I was a little kid, my dad would say, hey, Billy, you want an attitude adjustment? He didn't want an answer from me, y'all. He didn't want me to say, you know, my back hasn't been feeling good. What kind of adjustment were you thinking, Dad? Like, oh, maybe I need an attitude adjustment. No, the answer is no, sir. Just no, sir. It was I got two ears and no one mouth. I should be listening, not speaking, right? That was the response my dad wanted. That's the response that God wants from David right here. Because God says, let me give you three to 400 years worth of history lesson right here. You see, 400 years ago, the people uh, were in Egypt as slaves, and then the exodus happened. And God says, during that whole time, I moved, my very presence moved with that tent. Wherever the tent went, I went, did I ever go to any of the judges and say, hey, I need a house because otherwise I can't be glorified? God's like, no, if I would have wanted it, I would have asked for it. I didn't ask for it for a reason. I don't need your work for me to be glorified. Church, let me say that again, because for some of you, this is the biggest thing you're going to get out of this morning. God did not need David's work to be glorified. I think a lot of times we get that flip-flopped. Do you know what I mean? I think that we say, oh, it's Christmas. I think especially at Christmas we blow this. I think what we do is we say, oh, we got this Christmas offering. I'm going to give all this money to the Christmas offering so that God can be glorified. I'm really going to join a life group with this new year so God can be glorified. I'm going to serve. I know they need workers and kids ministry and student ministry and worship ministry and uh, welcome teams. I'm, I'm going to do this service thing so that God can be glorified. Can I just tell you, you've got that, you think wall hanging, God seeing toilet bowl cover. You got it so backwards. God is glorified, friends. He doesn't need our service. God is glorified. But because God is glorified, we get to be generous. Because God is glorified, we get to have community and relationship together. Because God is glorified, we get all of these things and more. Because God already is glorified. This is where we get to see that Isaiah 6 moment. Where in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted, with the, with the robe filling the temple, and the angels circling, crying out to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The whole earth is full of his glory. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't need us, actually. Like, he doesn't need our service to be glorified. He already is glorified. And so he's want, what he's wanting from David here, I think what he wants from us is obedience, He's wanting obedience, because he already is glorified. He's wanting us to be obedient to him. That's what he's after. Let's look at the next point as we look at how God works to bring us rest, verse 8 through 11. Now, therefore, the Lord's still talking, therefore, based on what I just said, now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, look at the title here, thus says the Lord of hosts. I took you from the pasture, from following my sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I've been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place 
and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel. And I will give you rest from all of your enemies. So the second thing we see is that the Lord works to bring us rest. You know, church, I've been married 26 years now, been a dad for 22 years. And my family, like, they think they know me pretty good. You know, they do. And they look at me, and they're like, Christmas is coming, and we know. We know what we're going to do. I hear them scheming. And they're like, we're going to get Dad a boat. That's what we're going to do for Christmas. We're going to give him a boat, a big sailboat, that way, and, and a dock slip to park it in. That way, come summertime after it's Friday, because on Fridays, that's, that's my day where I don't work, he can just walk up to the boat, and he can just step right onto the boat, and it's already set up and ready to go. I know. I know. That's what they're scheming. That's what they're planning. And I appreciate that guy. He's so kind. There's a lot of love. I'm going to be very disappointed, Amy says. I've got a heckler here, so it's great. Now, here's, here's the thing, is um, while the presents are fun and, and the presents are nice, you know what I really long for this Christmas? It's just time with my people. I'm just pretty thankful to be able to have these people to celebrate Christmas with. That's it. That's all. The presents are fine, but like what I really crave and what I really want is just that time and that space with them. And I hope that what you see right here is the Lord is working. He is working to give David rest, to give David that space with him. That's what, that's what the Lord's doing. So what you're going to see is, first of all, the focus on the name of the Lord. He says he is the Lord of hosts. Anytime you see the Lord of hosts, that means the Lord of heaven's armies, Right? You're talking the commander of heaven's armies. It appears about 230 times in Scripture. This is only the second time. It's only the second time we see it. The first time was in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3, with the birth of Samuel. So anytime you see the Lord of hosts, what you should hear in your mind is God is mighty. God is powerful. God is a God who is in command. God is in command right here. And he's like, David, I want you to understand you have a peace from your enemies right now, but that came from me. You think you did that? David, that's from me. And he reminds him of the past. He says, David, you are a shepherd boy, buddy. You were a shepherd boy wandering around with the sheep out in the pasture. And now you're in charge over all of Israel. That was my hand at work. I was the one who was doing that. I allowed you to be part of the story, David, but let's be very clear that I was working. Look at verse 8. I'll show you verse 8. I took you from the pasture. Verse 9, I have been with you wherever you went. God is making sure that David understands that he is the one with the authority, with the power, with the control, and then he looks to the future. And there's this covenant here where he promises David a name and a place and peace and rest, he declares that he is the one who is providing the peace and the rest. So here in just a few days, we are going to celebrate Christmas Eve. And real fast, let me tell you about the Christmas Eve services. The Christmas Eve services, um, it, it's going to be energetic. It's going to be a fun time. Like today, we stripped things down a little bit. It's going to be the full band on, on Christmas Eve. And it's going to be a great celebration. We're going to have a storybook for the kids uh, done in a very British way, and so Richard and Heather will be reading the Christmas 
Christmas book to all the kids, which will be a lot of fun. We'll have a lot of singing. There will be a sermon. It's going to be a real short sermon, more like 15 minutes worth of sermon, so a, a wee little sermon. But during that sermon, we're going to talk about the new covenant that we have in Christ Jesus. And church, what I love is everything that you saw promised to Abraham, everything that you saw promised to Moses, everything that you see promised to David, we see it come to completion in Christ, Every, including this, this promise of rest. When you look at Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says this. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. Real fast, time out. Let me talk about heavy laden. You just, you just, some of you feel some weight on your shoulders because of this whole COVID season. You just, you just feel like there's a weight on you. Some of you relationally, with friends, with family, you just, you just feel this weight. Some of you, because of stuff going on with finances and jobs, and you just feel like there's all this pressure on your chest. You just feel like, I, I don't know if I can take much more of this. Friends, that's heavy laden. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I, let me pause again, I. Jesus says, not the top 10 bestseller on the New York Times as a self-help book. Jesus says, he is the one who will give us rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Church, learn from me. Have a, have a posture that says you're not going prideful and puffed up to the Lord. Because sometimes we do that. Sometimes we go to God and we're just mad. We want to give God the what for. He says, I want you to learn from me. You need to come with a humble posture. You need to come meek. You need to come humble before me for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And in that place, he says, you'll find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. You see, my hope for you as your pastor is that in the midst of everything you're facing and all the menus of what are we going to do for Christmas Eve and Christmas for food and will Amazon orders come and in, in the midst of all of that stuff, they're able to slow down through the songs that we sing, through the opening of his holy word, and you're able to come to Jesus and find rest, a beautiful rest. Let's finish with verse 11 through 17. Scripture says, moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I put away before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Okay, do you remember how this started? It started with David going and saying, I'm going to build a house. I've got this wall hanging. It's going to be great. And the Lord says, oh, you, you will build me a house. Now look how it's all shifted here in verse 11. It says, the Lord will make you a house. Do you catch that? 
The Lord says, no, here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to be the one responsible for building this house for the ark. And I'm going to establish a kingdom from your line, a kingdom that will last forever. This is the promise that he just made to David. So in verse 13 and 16, he lets him know, like, David, there's going to be one who's going to build that house. It's your son Solomon, not you. Solomon's going to build it, and through your family's line will come the king, the king that's going to last forever, which, friends, that's exactly what happened. There is an eternal nature to the covenant that's made with David right here. And so then generations after David comes... And the promise is still out there. And the people know that they're waiting on the promise. The prophet Isaiah comes along. The prophet Isaiah says this in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Telling about the coming of Jesus, he says, For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. On, listen to this. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Our God is a God who keeps promises because we continue on in Scripture and we get to the New Testament. We get to Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, talking about the birth of Jesus. Scripture says, Christ the son of David, the son of Abraham. And then he's identified all throughout the rest of the New Testament as the son of God, the one whose kingdom will be established and last forever. So on Christmas Eve, we will be talking more about the new covenant that we have in Christ. I, I want to leave you today with that picture of how God is a God who keeps promises. Hebrew chapter 1 Hebrews chapter 1, verses 3 and 4 says this. It says, He is the radiance of the glory of God. Before I read the rest of it, I just want you to do this. Maybe you need to bow your heads for me. I just want you to think about the Christmas tree at home. I want you to think about the lights you've seen decorated in this church. Maybe around your house. The nativity sets. I want you to take all of the busyness of the world and put it on a shelf for a moment. I want you to think about the songs that we've sang already. Hark the Herald. A little town of Bethlehem. I want you to think about the promises that God has made. Years and years and years before. Now here we are in Hebrews chapter 1. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become much superior to angels, as the name he has inherited is much more excellent than theirs. He is the radiance of the glory of God. So in just a moment, church, we are going to end by singing Silent Night. But before we do, I just want the worship team to sing this next song over you. And so as we talk about everything pressing down, I just want you, just, just for a moment, will you take the menus that you're trying to work through and, and, and just tuck it away for a second? And worrying about what presents you still have to give and did we get the list the same or not, just, just, just push that away. And I want you to focus on the fact that he is worthy 
Friends, he is worthy of our worship and praise. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for this Christmas season, for the opportunity to pause and reflect on your goodness, on your greatness. Because King Jesus, you are alone worthy of our worship and praise. Lord, I pray that you take those places where maybe we think we're giving our best offering and it falls a little bit short. And despite us, Lord, just continue to be glorified. Show us how even through those trials, family members in the hospital, situations we wouldn't wish on our enemies, Lord, show us even in those moments how you're glorified. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head over to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.